This is a previously recorded episode. This show is broadcasting live from Detroit Sound Studios above Activate Gaming and is part of the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Chicks, Justin Spiro, and produced as always by Jessica. Hello. Hello. What's going on, Spiro? You're going to have to take over this show. Well, I, I, I'm currently up. in the middle of emailing a potential future guest of the DSR podcast. And I don't know if you want to start on this, but I'm in the middle of emailing Rick Barry, who made. Oh, you, the, got his, you got his email? I tracked it down. And I am emailing Rick Barry to ask if he would join us. Ask him to come on now. He's not checking his email in the next hour. That might be tough to swing, but uh, whether it be now or next week or two weeks from now, hopefully Rick can find a few minutes to join us to discuss Andre Drummond's free throw woes and why the modern player of today is completely unwilling to attempt the underhanded motion, which is proven to be effective for the few players that have had the guts to, to go for it. I was watching ESPN Sports Center Special Edition yesterday morning as they were announcing the inductees for the Basketball Hall of Fame, uh, Tom Izzo being one of those inductees, uh, another one being Shaquille O'Neal, 
And it's, it's funny. I just barely ever watch SportsCenter because it's terrible. But I wanted to see what Shaq had to say. And it, it the, uh, the, the subject of his free throw shooting came up and how Rick Barry offered his assistance and told him he could raise his percentage probably 10 or 15 points minimum. And Shaq's response to Barry was, I'm too cool or pretty to shoot grandma free throws, which Shaq could get away with because he was one of the most dominant forces in the history of the NBA. Uh, Andre Drummond, not so much, who over the weekend shot, I believe, three for 20. At three for 21. Three for 21? Yeah. Because he missed his last free throw attempt in the game before. So I'm counting that. So he's three for his last 21. Three for his last 21. And and according to a great Twitter follower of mine, two of those three rattled in. Like, oh. like, like just I mean, could it, have been missing. It's just unbelievable how bad he is. The fact that he was shooting for most of the year 35%. He started off, I think, earlier in the year around 28, then he had a couple months where he was shooting, I think, 41 or 42, so it got it up to about 35. You're thinking he's at 35, how much worse can it be? But it's now down to 33.3%. I don't think that's accurate. I think he's still around 35. No, 33.3, I checked it yesterday. No, I think you're wrong. Uh, Jessica, uh, go look up Andre Drummond's free throw pursuing, shooting for the season. I'm telling you, you don't go for three for 21. Here we go. Everyone calm down. Everyone calm down. So, I mean, either way, you're splitting hairs. He stinks at the line, and it's worse than ever, and it's gotten progressively worse every season. So, um, yeah, he's shooting uh, 35.354, so you're wrong uh, on the year. I don't know where you got your figure, but either way, uh, it's just worse than ever now. And really what we're looking at is at what point do you just give up any hope that he's ever going to turn this around? So – we already know he's a fragile guy mentally. You know, he's he doesn't play particularly hard on defense. We're not going to get into the whole discussion of why you and I are out on Andre Drummond, why we want him traded, why that ended a friendship of mine a few days ago. Uh, you <laughs> that know, didn't end a friendship. Andre, Come on. Andre Drummond has wreaked havoc on the DSR. It's tearing the DSR apart. Thankfully, you and I are on the same side of this debate, so it's not affecting I, our work. I don't know how you can have a debate about this guy. Oh, I, I don't. I, I mean, the dude is about to get this max contract this offseason. And that's okay, though. I'm right, okay right. with the dollars. Right. Because you have to pay him the max. That's fine, but and keeping you can trade, him, yeah, keeping right, him is right. the problem. You can trade him on a max deal in a second. The guy, as I said yesterday on Ryan Schuling's show, threw a horrible connection while I was down in South Florida. The man is a mental midget. The guy doesn't show any desire to be a dominant force defensively, even though he's got all of the qualities that you would think would make him a superior defensive player in the mode of a Ben Wallace. If you could take Dennis Rodman's heart and put it into Drummond, there'd, there'd be no question that this guy would just be an absolute monster on the defensive end. Uh, but he doesn't have that heart. He doesn't have that desire. He obviously doesn't have in it, it in him to become a superstar. It's just clear. The fact that he is completely unwilling to tweak anything regarding his free throw shooting 
When did the guy get pulled out of the game against the Bulls with like four or five minutes left? He couldn't play. Yeah, I didn't watch because I haven't watched dribble since I was harassed and and literally assaulted and battered by a palace usher for trying to go to a chairman's lounge for which I had a wristband for. Right. But we were told with about five minutes left, Andre Drummond was just out. In a must-win game against the Chicago Bulls, a team that they're fighting with a play. I I was trying to think. And I, I forgot I had wrote, written some notes down about uh, about this subject that I was going to talk to Shuling about yesterday at ninety two point one FM in Lansing, but then um, because of my poor connection, we kind of ran out of time on the Drummond segment. You you can't come up with an equivalent to a guy like Drummond having such a, a fatal flaw in his game, like free throw shooting, where he has to exit the last few minutes of a game. I was going to say yesterday on the show, it'd be like if Steve Eiserman had a breakaway and he had some psychological deficiency where on a breakaway he just shot the puck into the stands like because he couldn't handle it. Or, you know, Barry Sanders having a problem like on his 80-yard runs where psychologically in the last two yards he just fumbled the ball out of, you know, out of the end zone for a touchback. I mean, I know those are, those are extreme things, but when you're talking about a guy who has gone three for his last 21 free throws, and it's not an anomaly, the guy, as you said, I, I thought it was 33, 35% for the year. How many guys did we count the other day that were shooting contested three-pointers at a higher percentage than this guy's making free throws? It, it, it's it's absolute insanity and I, we're not going to focus a lot. We've talked a lot about Andre Drum, but I think we're the, I think we're starting to see a turn. I think there's a lot of the fans are turning on him. I think there's more discussion about this in the media. I don't want to go all Donald Trump on on you here, but who was talking about the future of the team vis-a-vis Drummond and if they should get rid of him in a sign and train in the offseason before we started talking right, about you it. You and I started this discussion. You wouldn't even be talking about illegal immigration if it weren't for Donald Trump. <laughs> exactly. and, and you wouldn't even be talking about Andre no. Drummond's viability as a franchise player for a meaningful team. Andre Drummond can win you 45 games as your best guy. I, you and I have never said he stinks. We hate him. You know, We hate him personally, but we hate him as a player. He's awful. And that's you get these straw man arguments from people that contest what we say. And the things that we've had to deal with, and I was the first on this train. I mean, I I built this train and got it running. We have guys like Garrett Elliott, that idiot that follows you, that loves everything you say, that comes after everything I say. And we have people like him saying, well, look, Shaquille O'Neal wasn't good at the line. Okay, not only was Shaquille O'Neal better defensively, offensively, and shot 53% at the line, but it's just he was not mentally soft either. I mean, he was better in every facet of being a basketball player, mentally, physically, and whatnot. But now people aren't even mentioning Shaq anymore. The thing I've heard the last couple weeks. DeAndre Jordan. Well, DeAndre Jordan a little bit, but people keep saying, well, he's got his Dwight Howard. Van Gundy's got his Dwight Howard to plug into his system. He had Dwight Howard, and he took him to the finals, and maybe if he hadn't had an injury, he could have won, which is nonsense. But, you know, they got embarrassed in that finals. But it's not even Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard's career free throw percentage is 57%. Yes, that's pretty bad. 
He's not shooting 35%. You look at the year they went to the finals, he was shooting 59. So, you know, just shade under 60, 59 and some change. 60% free throws, yeah, 59, why, 60. I don't understand why be- everyone's not hacking him. I mean, Carlisle did it the other day. We, we talked. I talked about this a few weeks ago when we discussed this, and I don't have the math in the, off the top of my head now, but I'm pretty sure the number that we determined in terms of offensive efficiency to make – Intentional, intentionally following not a good strategy with something like 54, 55% you had to hit, and then it's, it doesn't become worth it for a team to follow you. You don't even have to, you don't have to shoot 60, 54, 55, 56%. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's terrible, but it's not a great move to follow you. You can start making it a mathematically poor decision to follow, to follow. Now, 35%. Not only is it a good decision, it's a great decision. I'd be following every time. If it weren't a foul-out rule, I would be hacking the entire game. Just start one of it, your, whoever your uh, Chuck Nevitt or Scott Hastings is on your bench, your 11th and 12th guys, and just go out there. I, I just want to see it. I want all the attention and pressure put on this situation because I want Stan Van Gundy to have a gun to his head this offseason, and he's got to make the right decision here. And I think what you said just now is accurate in the fact that theoretically he has the guy that he thinks he needs, the Dwayne Howard redux to build to build around, and that's the kind of player he wants to to have on his team to run his offense and and to move forward. But as I stated to to Schuling yesterday, Stan Van Gundy is no dummy. I'm sure he takes counsel from his brother, Jeff, who is another very intelligent basketball mind. Okay, these two guys have to see what we see. They have to. They have to. There's no way that Andre Drummond's act of being an overgrown child, you'd think that we're the only ones who get the reports about how he treats the people on the streets and the fans, and we're going to get to a bat and what's coming up Saturday in a moment, this all gets back to Stan Van Gundy. And I'm sure he has discussion with his brother, what am I going to do with this guy? Just the other night, once again, the team's winning a huge game. He can't participate. And mental midget Andre Drummond's on the bench pouting again. Pouting. Who are you mad at? It's like a child who acts up and gets his electronics taken away. And then he's mad at his parents for taking the electronics. Well, they wouldn't have had to take your iPod away or your Xbox if you just behave properly. So why, what is Andre Drummond disenfranchised with that he comes out late in games? Does he not know how to read a box score on CBSSportsLine.com? He can't see that he's gone three for his last 21 he can't see what an absolute abomination he is at the free throw line. He doesn't know this. He should be mad at himself, and that's not the impression you get from no, watching. Oh, he's him. not mad at himself. It's not. It's not he's like mad a, at the world. It's not like a head down, like you know, I got to get my act together <laughs> type reaction. He's mad that he's being taken out of these games, and he he resents it. And again, you know, I don't want to harp on this Dwight Howard thing too much, but Dwight Howard, it, it's not the same. People have failed from day one, and this is what I've been saying from day one. People are failing to grasp the gravity, the extent of how bad this free throw situation is. It's not a deficiency in his game. 
It's a cancer in his game. It, it, it's a fatal error. And Dwight Howard was a better defensive player than Andre Drummond. So it's not, you know, free throw is just one part of it. Dwight Howard was blocking three shots a game. I mean, he was a great rim protector. Drummond's Why what? is this guy not a great rim protector? Why? He, he's, he's not bad, but he's at, you know, one and a half blocks a game for his athleticism and size and the fact that he parks at the basket the entire game. He De- should be averaging at least two blocks. Defense is all effort and no and intelligence, basically. it's all That's all it is. And... I don't think he's very – his basketball IQ is very good. And his effort on the defensive end is lacking. And like I said, I – He's good He's good on defense by accident, but there's he could be so much better. Yeah. And, you know, you can't say he's a poor defensive player by any means. But So what's it, going on Saturday? Saturday, Andre Drummond, I believe it's at Lakeside Mall. I know it's at Sterling Heights at some sports card store. We'll be signing autographs. Uh, I know they, they will be selling some 8x10 photos of Drummond, uh, some basketball, things like that. Or you could bring your own things for him to sign, which are a little more expensive because you're not buying it from the store. But at Detroit City Sports, at Lakeside Mall in Sterling Heights, at 4 o'clock this Saturday, Andre Drummond will be signing autographs at uh, that location. And I will be there. I have purchased the item that I wish for him to sign. I believe it'll cost me $35 for him to not sign it because he will not be signing this item, to say the <laughs> least. Uh, but here's what I need. I need someone out there in the DSR Darko land. Is he going to Scott Anderson, Melissa Moss, you? I Yes, I, he will certainly do that. I, he will not be signing this item, but I don't, that, I, the I don't think he, he might not be so polite as, as Gator was. The backstory on that was a few years ago, I made my wife – Go up to Scott, the virginal manatee whale Anderson at the opening. Was it, it was opening day at Comerica Park, and I handed her a DetroitSportsRag.com article. I think about Anderson. <laughs> she took it up to him and asked him to I don't sign like that it. Guy, <laughs> her response was, "I don't like that guy. I'm not signing that." We actually have video of that on the on the, on the uh, website. Well, I was going to say, I I actually need somebody out there in the Darko DSR land to. Go to this with me because I need someone to film it. Now, you know, I've learned over the years doing these shenanigans with the DSR and as much credit as Mahir Bahatnagar gets for these shenanigans. Let's let's just remember who's in the Hall of Fame for DSR shenanigans. The first person on the planet to be assaulted live on Periscope. And not only was that the case, but I filmed it myself during the assault. I've learned that you need a cameraman at these activities. Greg Schultz available on Saturday? Well, isn't it funnier – to you than anything else that's ever happened in DSR history, that I was a better cameraman shooting myself while being assaulted in a chokehold than Greg Schultz was without any type of distraction or physical impediment. I, that was a disgrace. That would have been me the, the way carried out by 97.1 security the, at another opening day. One of the biggest ago. letdowns in history was hearing that Greg Schultz had video footage. Oh, he captured it. We got it, guys. He captured the assault, which I got a text from Bohannik, who was there, and we were friends at the time. He said, Greg got it all, he, he, just right after it happened. Like, it's he on, got it all. It's on like film. View of the ca- so, concrete. So, uh, you know, I'm doing cartwheels down the sidewalk thinking we have this live footage of Jeff Moss getting carried out and assaulted by the 97-1 Gestapo in downtown Detroit and ends up being – I mean, the Boyer Witch was in focus and was more uh, – uh, capturing of the moment than, than that, but I, I do I thought need, Dinsmore was going to go with you. Dinsmore talked about it, but uh, you know I don't know if I want to be pinching my nose 
the entire time. <laughs> so Dinsmore, um, oh, poor Din. Dinsmore, I'll tell you what, if literally nobody else on the planet wants to go with me, you can be my camera guy. Um, but, uh, I need, I need, uh, someone to, to, to do that. And, you know, I'm not going to do it myself because I need to, to focus on getting my forearms up to defend myself because this is a guy who, for the simple pantomiming free throw motion that I did, decided it was a good idea to charge after me and try to basically maul me. Uh, Scott Anderson, our Scott Anderson, not the, the, the gator, but the fake gator is a witness that I didn't do anything other than pantomime free throws. And Andre Drummond had a look in his eye, according to the fake gator. I'm not sure what he was going to do, but he was going to do something. And that, that those were his words, and that was my experience as well. This is a guy who has come after me for less than what I'm about to do to him on Saturday, and which I still don't think is that inflammatory. But let's face it, this is not going to be a good reaction. I, do I think he's going to flip the table over and, and powerbomb me at you know Detroit City Sports and Lakeside Mall? Probably not. But I do think it'll be, be hilarious. Uh, I'm Can not, you imagine? I'm not ruling it out. Can you imagine this? What is he like? Six eleven, two eighty. Yeah, like, yeah. He just picks you up and just like RKO's yours. Well, as long as it's on film, I'm good. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Okay, Andy anything, Kaufman. Anything, anything for the for the camera. You okay. know, Andy Kaufman. Eh, consider that a compliment. No, it is a kind. Andy Kaufman, the highest me, of compliments to me is is if you want to call him a comedian, more just of an entertainer, the most entertaining guy of all time, but. Um, I'm looking forward to that Saturday. So our next show Tuesday, which is also exciting because we're supposed to have Dave Harns in studio to face you. And I give him credit for agreeing to that. Um, I'm probably going to be on his side of the table on half the things we discuss. And that's something I've been well, open I mean, about from day one. I, I thought you handled that poorly and I thought you outed him unnecessarily and, and unfairly. Yeah. Well, um, as you laugh the whole time, I didn't let's pull up the tape. I don't think I laughed the whole time. I chuckled once. We'll pull up the tape. Uh, Jessica, pull up the tape. Well, if Theo hasn't deleted tape. the archive. Tape? <laughs> what tapes? You don't use those. We have oh. MP3s now. Oh, okay. Well, as long, <laughs> as, as, long as Theo didn't raid the archives. and Yeah. You know. He hasn't even been in the studio. How can he be guilty? Because he's got a key fob. But anyway. <laughs> I can sneak uh, in at any given yeah, time. But given time. So Saturday will be interesting. Uh, Tuesday will be an interesting recap of that next week. And I, I'm really looking forward to the next Tuesday's show. I, I think, you know, the Periscope Saturday, as long as I can go, I'm not 100% going. I ordered the picture that I'm going to have them sign. It's a underhanded. Oh, you're going you're gonna to say what it is? Yeah. I already okay. said it. I think I said it on Twitter a week oh, ago okay. what I was going to have them do. I'm having Drummond sign an underhanded uh, Rick Berry free throw motion picture. There's this picture you actually used in the article about him, about his attempted assault on me. Uh, where he's doing the underhanded free throw motion, and Rick Barry is the one who made that famous. So I have a, a glossy 8 by 10 photo that I've just purchased for Andre Drummond to sign in Silver Sharpie. So I don't think that's going to go over too well. I know for sure he's not going to sign it. I mean, I don't think he'll mistake it for a picture of him. Will, sort of, will you uh, get your money refunded, do you think? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't, I'm not too worried about it, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, because really, investment. he'll either, you know, I mean, can you imagine the periscope of me trying well, to get be my a money lot back? Li- and there's going to be a lot of little kids in there. He's not, what's he going to do? I mean, well, I think it's my, my it's going to be a dirty look and kind of like a, I ain't signing that kind of thing. And, you know, I don't think it'll be that crazy, to be honest. But, right. um, you know, he'll we'll either see. sign it, which will be hilarious, which I don't think he would ever do. 
or he'll refuse to sign it, and that'll be a story too. So, um, all right. Well, then we at the DSR like we at the DSR like to make the news, unlike the traditional media. And speaking of the traditional media, how about your boy Joe Rexroad doing a, a Indian rain dance after the the big shot by North Carolina to, to tie the game last night in the national championship game? This is a guy who called me a liar for reporting the fact that Graham Couch initiated a fist bump in the immediate wake of Michigan State's triumph over Louisville in the Elite Eight in 2015 to go to the Final Four. This is something I saw 15 feet in front of me. I was like in the third row. They were right in front of me. I took pictures of them, unfortunately not during the fist bump, but during the game. I was right there. It happened. This is a guy who said I lied about that. Now, in his defense, he didn't initiate it. And additionally, in his defense, I don't doubt that he doesn't even remember it. I didn't even bring this up on Twitter until like five months later. It wasn't my first thought. I was obviously ecstatic that my team had shocked the world to go to the Final Four. But when I brought it up, he's calling me a liar, saying you know, he's professional. He would never act like that. What a what an awful accusation that he would just be on the receiving end of a fist bump that was relatively understated after a Michigan State triumph. This guy who went on the attack on me calling me a liar, was doing a a celebratory dance around a campfire after a shot for a team that he doesn't care about. He actually cares about Michigan State. It's on video. The page three-pointer. He's The page three-pointer to tie that game with four and a half seconds left. Someone has a vine out there of him hitting the shot. Charles Robinson, former Lions free press beat writer before Dave Burkett. Rex Road throws his arms up says, wow, and is just, you know, moving around. And, and, you know, people say, you know, people are human beings and they're going to have those reactions and yada, yada, yada. Here's the thing. Look at the journalist to his right, two to his right, in front of him. You can see about seven or eight journalists in the in the shot of the vine. There's Rex Road going completely ballistic. One other that has a similar reaction but not quite as aggressive. And then the other five are stoic. So I, I well, here's my point on it, okay? This is what my take is. I don't think it was that the worst thing in the world that he reacted neither, that way. Neither do I, but don't, but act don't like deny doing. that it's impossible and not plausible at all that you did the fist bump. It's, that's if, the if, point. If your decorum is just so beyond reproach, no, it's not. We've got video of you now acting like a goofball, like you were. And why was he even there? The guy's on his last legs. He's going to the tennis scene as a columnist. He's leaving the Detroit Free Press. There's no Michigan connection between Villanova and North Carolina yesterday. You know, I'm so sick and fucking tired of all of these journalists complaining and crying and whining. Oh, the business isn't like it used to be. The print media is going down the tubes because nobody has to pay for the content. And we haven't been able to find uh, figure out a way to monetize the web traffic. Wah, 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 wah. Well, you know what? Maybe you can save a few bucks by not sending Joe Rexroad to write an article, which I'm not even sure he did, for last night's championship game. He's live tweeting it. Who is Who going cares? Who's going to Joe Rexroad's Twitter feed? Who gives feed? a fuck? We don't need to pay for your hotel, pay for your air flight, whatever other incidentals. Take that money and save it elsewhere. We don't need Anthony Fennick, I'm sorry, in spring training for 45 days. 
Well, that's more defensible. Well, at least it's you need, a Detroit team. Second, you have the coverage fine. on, but you have George. You have two people down there for like weeks. No, at I, a time. I agree with that. There's just degrees writing, of egregiousness. Okay, here. no, I agree. But they're writing awful, stupid articles, fluffing up the team. Every article is the is just sunshines and in, 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 that in was rainbows. the article I wrote like a year or yeah, two ago. Yeah. Just it's the same thing every year in spring training. It's a paid. It's a my my problem is yeah. You should send someone down to spring training to cover the Tigers. But you're not getting any serious, real reporting with these morons between McCoskey. Last year, McCoskey was going on and on about how Daniel Fields had turned a corner, even though he was calling him Bruce Fields Jr. Because he didn't even know his <laughs> he name. He did it again like three years later. The same yeah, thing. Exactly. And, and Daniel Fields. excoriated for it. He does it again. Wait, excoriated by Daniel Fields himself yeah. on Twitter, for Christ's sake. But, you know, there's just nothing. I don't know. At some point, since the free press and news just consolidated and said one person, I, I don't know what they're thinking, but it, it, it's over and over. They, they send all these people out to cover the Super Bowl. Last time I checked, there's been 50 Super Bowls. The lines never appeared in any of them. And we get a bunch of articles all week, week long. And I don't even blame Katzenstein and Burkett and Mankey, really, because what else are they going to write about? They can't write about the team that they cover being in the Super Bowl. So basically they go up to other people. That's an editorial decision. Right. They go up to other people in other organizations and say, well, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about this lion? Or what do you think about this free agent? Like, who gives a flying fuck? I mean, there's a way you could consolidate your money and spend it better. And it doesn't seem to to be that these papers are doing it. And, you know, I think they're taking the Dave Shore lead, who I think still in Houston, um, celebrating the uh, game last night while – Lindsey Hunter and Rob Parker are co-hosting this afternoon. And by the way, did the station hit an all-time low yesterday in embarrassment when they actually tweeted out yesterday afternoon to tune in to Lindsey Hunter and Drew Sharp? I don't know if you saw that. I didn't see. This is news to me. Oh, yeah. They tweeted out. Drew Sharp was back on? No, 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 no. They meant to say Dave Shore. They tweeted out. I got a screen grab before they deleted it, but they act so good. How incompetent! The person running their social media can't even avoid the pratfall of tweeting out the guy who they fired four weeks ago. I, I said I sent a message to Henson. I go because I was in Florida and I was driving. I didn't need access. I go, turn on the turn on the leaf feed. Is sharp? Is sharp there? Is he back? And they're like, he's like, no, no, it was an accident. They, it's, 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 it's a uh, hunter and, um, and shore from Houston. I mean, what an, what an, what an embarrassment. The, the point is, the ratings the, come out by the way a you, week ago from today. You look to bring this full circle. You look at the industry, the broadcast media industry, the print newspaper industry. It is, I don't know, dying. It'll always be there in some form, even if it goes digital. But it is struggling immensely. And, yeah, of course, technology and the inability to evolve or unwillingness to evolve has a lot to do with it and probably the most to do with it. But you look at resource allocation. This is Like you said before the show, an AP story about last night's game. Run the AP story. That's going to be any different than the guy who's running for the Tennessean next week? You have to get tight with the budget in 2016 in this format. Rexord is there doing cartwheels on the sideline. I'm sorry. And, and again, just to, to finish on Rex Road, I in a vacuum, look, I went to journalism school. I have the same degree these guys do, and I'm actually overqualified for their job with my education. 
I have the same degree they do. I was taught the same things they were taught, okay? So it's not – they can act all condescending with me all they want. Oh, well, before – can I bring one thing up before you – because you – Go ahead. This is a great fucking point. Right, Joe Rexroad is bombing you for, like, breaking news, right? Like, mocking you because of the awesomeness story. Which I called him out for. Exactly. But there was two levels to that. One, his coworker George Sipple stole your story a couple weeks later, and then ended up being wrong too. Either not that you were either 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 of you were wrong, or Bernie Smiley yeah, reported it, which was intending right. to fire him, and he was right. Things changed. He's bombing you. I, I'm not sure if you're listening to this right now, Joe, or if someone alerts it to you in the archive. I know you're not listening to it live, but maybe someone will tell you about this. You dumb motherfucker. You're talking to the guy who works for the website, who's the managing editor for the website, who broke the story that you're going to Tennessee and leaving the Detroit Free Press. Any irony there, you fucking moron? This website broke the story about your your vocation and where you were going to the point that you weren't ready to announce it, and you had to like the next morning when you were people were saying, "Are you leaving?" You had to say, "Well, the cat's out of the bag." I'm going, I'm leaving the free press. I'm going to be a columnist of the Tennessee. The cat's out of the bag. Why was the cat out of the bag, Joe? You're insulting Spiro about breaking news stories when he is the second in command for the website who broke the story about you going to another city. And when your coworker and your publication had the same story three weeks later and also got it wrong. Now, again, we've gone over this. I'm not getting into the whole office thing again. We didn't get it wrong. DIV didn't get it wrong. George Sippel and the free press didn't get it wrong. We reported what the team had intended to do. They had every intention of doing it. Every single thing that's come out from Avila since basically confirms it unintentionally. So I don't even think we got that story wrong. It just it, it took a turn, and unfortunately we weren't ahead of the curve How on the turn. How do you mock someone for but, breaking stories at a website when – the story about your own employment was broken on that website. And how, again, how when your publication had, had the same story wrong. he was, When um, Chris Solari was bombing us a few days earlier for the awesomeness thing, Rex Road was favoriting all those tweets. Was just he was, oh, yeah. he was eating that up. Was Solari on his way to a funeral uh, with his black on black? I think he suit. was on his way to creating a funeral um, <laughs> with his hitman outfit. But you know, uh, Solari, uh, this, guy so, like he, this guy so irrelevant. Solari, I don't even know if I'm saying Solari, his name right. Solari looks like he should be in a in one of those like lock, stock, and two smoking barrels movies. Uh, what, Guy Ritchie. He just look, he's got that huge yeah, neck. He's he's, like, he's a movie no neck, character. He's a movie character. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I, I just you know Rex Road. Good riddance to this guy. I know because the contrast to Graham Couch is so vast and Couch is just so bad that there are some DSR sympathizers with the Rex Road cause. That's fine. I understand, you know, Josh Krieger thinks he's the, you know, Woodward and Bernstein. Uh, and that's fine. You know, you're entitled to your opinion. But I'm telling you, for this guy to bomb us for the Osmus thing when his own newspaper got it wrong, when his colleague George Sippel got it wrong as well and stole the story, for him to go after us when we broke the story of his own exodus from the city, when we had, he basically called me a liar for reporting what I saw 15 feet in front of me, saying that he would never, he would never show such a lack of decorum on press row. You don't know anything about me. You don't know my reputation. The, the tweets are all there. He hasn't deleted any of this stuff. You know, go back and look at anything he's tweeted at me. Everything was he would never act that way. You're making that up. Right. In, in my years as a journalist. But, 
he's all holier than thou about this nonsense. This is a guy, he was throwing a parade on the sideline after a shot in a game that he didn't care about for a team that he has no connection to whatsoever. So it's so out of the realm of possibility that a guy that threw a parade for that game last night wouldn't be on the receiving end, and I've said it from day one reluctantly, of a, a casual fist bump after a huge win for a Michigan State team that he's covered for 15 years. I'm, I, it's so unbelievable. It, 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 it's unfathomable that he would return a volley on a casual fist bump. I wonder, it's just, it's I'm so really insulting. mad that Charles Robinson didn't get a uh, video of the winning Villanova shot of what, uh, what he did. Did he, like, did he strip down, whip it out, and just go to work? Yeah, himself. he must have. I mean, yeah. if I mean, if it's a tying shot, journal, this professional journalist who would never, ever, ever make a scene on press row of any kind. I mean, what a disgrace! And again, it's all in a vacuum. If he had done that in a vacuum, and there wasn't the context of him outing me as a liar for reporting what I saw right in front of my face with a fist bump in the Elite Eight, you know. I'd feel differently. It's still not ideal. I mean, we're taught not to act like that. You're not supposed to do that on press row. I don't care if the craziest thing in the world happens. You're just not supposed to act like that. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, when you are on that stump and you're making that argument that you would never do anything like that, you can't behave that way, especially. So Rex Road will not be missed. And he can make jokes about all this, you know, the stories he's broken over the years, I, you know, and how we're inept. That's fine. I'm not going to miss this guy, and I'm sure he's going to be replaced by somebody even worse because Rex Road was Probably actually Couch. Well, I mean, Couch, I don't replace. I mean, whatever. Those two are they're in all the videos together anyway. I don't really consider one to be replacing the other anyway. But I'm well, done. I'm done with Rex Road. I'm happy that he's gone. I will not miss him. I don't think any stories are going to become suddenly um, covered or uncovered because I don't think he'll be replaced by anybody meaningful. But all right, the last thing before we take our first break, uh, got some news behind the scenes information about the Detroit Lions uh, yesterday that uh, you aren't even familiar with yet. I, even, I, like, I like the like mid show breaking news. What do you got? Yeah, well, you, you fill it in when you can. I'm, like I said, I'm heavily drugged and not exactly sure where we're going with this show. But so regarding new Lions general manager Bob Quinn. We did receive some inside sources and some positive news about his behavior behind closed doors. It would appear that this man is absolutely cutthroat. And I'm going to give you an example of that. There was a I'm not going to give you what part of the team this came from or you know what what division inside Allen Park but I guess there was a guy who had been employed there um, for for years, and his boss wanted him gone. But he was being protected by, I believe it was Sheldon White. So what I'm told is who the head of this part of the Lions, uh, part of the Lions. Um, uh, I'm just, I don't want to give a lot of specifics because I don't want to tip off anything. This department is respected, I guess, by Quinn. I guess he heard some positive things when he was with New England about this person. And he's being told by this guy, look, I, you know, I wanted to get rid of this guy for a while, but Sheldon White's been protecting him. So Quinn's response to that is, is the guy in the building right now? And the guy goes, yeah, I believe so. 
Okay. Sight unseen, doesn't even know who the guy's basically talking about, but he respects the guy that's head of the of this department. Quinn gets on the phone, calls HR, and says, get a dismissal package ready for this guy and get him up here. And Quinn just fires him based on this recommendation. And I guess that's just so like... he fired him based on the this endorsement one, that he yeah, receives? Yeah, and basically that's what's going on down there. That Quinn goes like from person to person to person and says, they have a meeting, they sit down, sounds like something out of office space almost, and he says, defend what you do here. And if Quinn doesn't like the answer, gone, right out, right there. And I guess they've basically replaced the entire strength and conditioning department. I think that's been in the papers, obviously. Yep. But I guess the reason for that I was told was, I guess, one game last year, the players wanted their strength and conditioning guys on the, on the field or something before a game, handling things hands-on. And the strength and conditioning team, the leaders, or the you know the guys higher-ups, basically said, man, we don't want to do it. We're going to send our like subordinates to do it. And I guess when, when he took the job, Quinn found out about this. And just like based on that story alone, Quinn fired all of those people. That he's just going in there, just like murdering people down there. That's the the turnover is insane. The funniest part of the inside information that we got from our source was that I guess Quinn tells this joke, and I guess they they've gutted the scouting department. That when he was at New England, the joke was, "How do you know?" Who a, a, who the Lions scouts are? If you look at a combine or you know anywhere, how do you know who the Lions scouts are? And the answer was, this was like a running joke in New England. They're the ones at the hotel bar. Oh, that's great! That's terrific. That uh, just a, a national laughing stock. Exactly. That so was, so appropriate. Yeah, that's the joke. How do you know who the Lions scouts are? They're the ones at the hotel bar. That's the league. That was the league running joke. So, I get all this information last night, and I didn't even write an article about it. I figured I'd just drop it on you, and I thought you'd be kind of entertained by some of that stuff. Most of it makes me really excited about Quinn because it seems like there is, to quote Art Regner, a new attitude. But at the end of the day, how do you juxtapose the fact that he's going around with a hatchet? Firing all these people in strength and conditioning, gutting the scouting department, even lower level employees who are getting on, on the recommendation of their superior that they were being protected under the old regime somehow, either Lawand or Sheldon White or Martin Mayhew, that he's going around just absolutely firing people like Donald Trump or Vince McMahon. But the two people we wanted gone are still here, which only lends more credence to the fact that Bill Keenest and Jim Caldwell were the sacred lambs, the two people that Martha Ford wanted kept. Who there. posited this to begin with? You. Thanks. Okay, just clarify. I'm look. I give. I am not. There's no inside information. I'm, I'm, I'm not there. Montana just... Apollonia. I will give credit when credit is due, and I will give you all the credit in the world. 
I'm surprised. Hold on a not, second. I'm surprised you're not attacking Hold on a me second. for being right. Hold on a second. Usually, I was wrong. I was wrong. I thought Caldwell was going to be fired. I can see Jessica over there isolating that. Those, those well, that's sound. really we're just even. We're just even because right. I was giving Sheldon White. Never was say gonna, things. Yeah, you so thought. Much. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So yeah. we're. I think we're even yeah. on our Lions offseason. You thought Sheldon White was going to be captain. I thought that Caldwell was going to be gone when Quinn got the job. Oh. But but it seriously. Now we're hearing from inside Allen Park that this guy goes around carrying an absolute hatchet. And it's firing people left and right that the HR department key is 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 uh, getting paper jams in the copy machine. No, it's like Ari Gold walking around with his paintball gun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's basically what Bob Quinn whiting, is. Whiting people up. That's such a great parallel. Better than my the copy machine from yeah. in HR is, is all jammed up and they're running out of toner. Everybody's getting filet fish down there except for the boob imbecile head coach. And the the most rotten human being on the planet, Bill Keenest, who... The ultimate cockroach. I mean, the ultimate cockroach. A guy who is just eviscerated on the radio for days by Mike Valente, the number one radio personality in this town. The, those are the two people who kept their job. And you're going to tell me, not you, because you told me, you told me, and I was wrong, but people out there in the street... Come on, man. All those comments from Martha and what we heard toward the end to me were so telling going into the decision that you know they love Jim Caldwell. And when the Ford family loves somebody, yep. it's really hard to get them out. And if you think that – if you think that Brad Osmus is in a tenuous position – I, I got to believe the deal that Quinn was like, okay, I'll keep him for a year. He probably figured – that he wasn't going to spend all the money. He he. They, oh, they knew. By the way, I was also told they knew that Calvin was gone. I mean, they've known for a long time that Calvin was gone. So it was no surprise. Well, it seemed like Stafford right. knew. Yeah, I mean, they've known I mean, for it's... a long ass time that he was gone. And I get. I'm guessing Quinn. That that's why Quinn was like, ah, oh, I'm not going to call him. You know, whenever he makes a decision, because he knew he was it was dead man walking and that he was gone. Um, I was also told by the, the source that he's about one of the nicest people in the world. Quinn? Uh, no, no. Uh, Calvin Johnson. Oh, well, yeah. It yeah, doesn't correct. take much to. Right. But, uh, and then he handled everything classy, but, which is no shock. But it's almost like that I think Quinn knows they're not going to be very good this year. That he wasn't going to be able to take all that money that they're going to have at the cap. He's patching some holes. He wasn't going to blow his whole wad just to spend it on bad contracts. And um, I, I, this is Caldwell's last year, I would say. And I would be surprised. It would well, not I mean, be if surprised. If they start one and six or something, I mean, even uh, one and four or something. You and I, you and I have no and, inside information on that necessarily, but right. I, I would think from what we can gather, he would be. I mean, just, he'd be. He's not, it, he doesn't have a long. Not range. only that, the Lions have someone in waiting that they could hire, and not if anything, they'd be improving themselves and, and just promoting. You know, Austin, Carol Austin, yeah. the head coaching job. He's a viable candidate. Yeah, it's not yeah. exactly like having Dan Quell as your vice president is. Bullet protection, like George W. Bush. I mean, he's got a guy down, a pretty guy. Who's, how many interviews has that man had in the last two years for head coaching positions? Like a dozen. Yeah. So um, that's he's been the runner story. up, runner up for a couple jobs. Obviously, I wanted Adam Gase this year. By the yeah, way, so I, I want to. So I, I want to go on record uh, when, he, when we, he starts yeah. winning a lot. <laughs> yeah, that both of us wanted Adam Gase this year. That was my guy. 
All right, I guess we'll uh, we've spent let's see about fifty minutes of the show talking about everything about the except for the team that in an hour and twenty minutes is going to start the baseball season because why not? I mean, I think some teams are entering the All Star break already, as I said to you last night. And the Tigers haven't played their first fucking game. It's a joke that you're even here right now. I should be doing the show solo, and you should be at that game. It's a, it's an embarrassment. You've known about this trip. No, no, no. Let me explain it once and for okay, all. I'll yeah, tell here, you here, the story. Here it comes. And we can get my wife on the phone if you'd like to, to confirm yeah, We everything. should. Why have her call? So uh, we were supposed to go to Florida a couple months ago, and then, you know, obviously I don't want to rehash everything, but we couldn't go. Yep. And then, um, so things... Cl- my, my schedule cleared up, and I could go, and I was just kind of hemming and hawing. I kind of just wasn't any mood to go on vacation or anything. So one day I'm out um, watching the NCAA basketball games, the first uh, early, the early games, the Tuesday, Wednesday game, whatever it was. First four, yeah. Yeah. And she, I get an email while I'm out that I've got an itinerary to go to Florida, and she didn't tell me, like, what dates, like, we were going or anything. Not only did she book it, she didn't ask me if I had any work conflicts. My uncle's in Ireland right now, so the two people who run the company were out of the, you know, <laughs> weren't around this week. So I mean, it wasn't just the fact that she scheduled the trip from last Wednesday night till eight o'clock Tuesday morning, when the Detroit Tigers were playing the first game of the season in Miami, uh, a stone's throw from where you know I was staying, against the Miami Marlins. So in yeah, a relatively I, new stadium that's supposedly yeah. pretty cool. It's seventy degrees there, opening day in a seventy degree weather, which you never get to do as a okay. Tigers fan. So, They're always opening in either so, okay. Cleveland or so, Detroit. So we'll talk about a once in every fifteen, okay. twenty years opportunity. So for, we can talk about why I didn't change the my my itinerary. You know, I I hate flying. No, it wasn't around. No, it. it wasn't to be here. No, no, it wasn't. It's just the fact it was such a. It would have cost me a thousand dollars between changing the flight. Another ho- date night of the hotel room, um, rental car for another day, Th- having to pick- take her to the airport at five o'clock this morning, and then going back, and then it it just it just at the end of the day it just was all of that crap. It just wasn't worth it to me. So really, based on what you're telling me, I can't begrudge you for not spending that. I, I would just say it would have been expensive. To it would have been plus and the that's, ticket. And that's plus I, the ticket. So really, I, I want sh- a good ticket. I should be bombing. Melissa, really? Yes, Melissa. Because Melissa really blew this. Yeah, because Melissa could have said to me, um, we, "We'll come back Wednesday morning instead of uh, Tuesday night." Yeah, it was kind of. She kind of. I get it. Melissa kind of fucked you over on this. I think yes, she she has time. to. She has. She owes you like seven hundred and thirty-two more fuck yous before you're even, though. <laughs> exactly. I, I think. I think you're still in her debt. Yeah, I think. I think right around if I if if Melissa just fucks up every day now until two thousand and forty-eight. Then our relationship will be even. Yeah, you guys will be on equal footing. So exactly. I, it's hard to really go after Melissa when I look what but, she has okay, to put so up that's, with. Okay, so that's one issue. And uh, yeah, right. I can't really blame her too much because she puts up with way more than any and woman definition, should Definition of to. the better half. She's, yeah, better exactly. looking, she's better looking than you. She's nicer than you. Well, that doesn't take much. <laughs> yeah. But well, anyway. That, that's fair. But anyway, so, okay, so that's we can blame Melissa for 50% of this. Can someone explain to me why I'm watching Major League regular season baseball games not in Australia, not in Japan, but in the United States of America on Sunday. On Monday, there's a full slate of games. Why last night was I not at 
the ballpark in Miami watching the Marlins and the Tigers instead of eating at Joe Stone Crab six tables away from Kate Upton and Justin Verlander. Why? The, it, the scheduling makes zero sense. I you know, I get not everyone's going to start on the opening day. How, how do you have a team starting like what? Tuesday. Two, two and a half. It's like two and a half days right, later because it's a night game. Like it, it's it's like, you know, 60 hours after. It, I don't like that at all. No, it, it it's really, anticlimactic. It it's like yeah. doesn't even it doesn't even seem like it's open. First of all, is there anything more historic than opening up the season at night against the Miami Marlins? I was da- I'm telling you, I was down there. That would for- have been the coolest thing if I could see them open anywhere, like at a night game in a warm climate. Be like either Miami or maybe like San Francisco. But even San Francisco going no cow can be a little bit cold right. at at night. I mean, it's, oh, it was about eighty five today. The forecast sunny. tonight is like seventy two. Oh, it's beautiful. Pitch. It's like oh, you're you're it's just so you, nice. Melissa really blew this. Oh my I, God. What I would give to be down there in seventy two degree weather for like an actual opening day. It's like a spring training game, but not like just so much better. What a bizarre I, sports town, too. Like no, zero buzz whatsoever. Why did they even build a new stadium? I don't, no, why like, are they even? Why are the Panthers there? Why are the Marlins there? I mean, I can understand the Dolphins, but. I'm telling you, I was down there for six days, Justin. I didn't hear one person talking about opening day. The Panthers are about to lock up first place in their division and having home my, ice. Uh, nobody, there's nobody down there who cares. My, uh, my good friend Jack, who obviously a hockey player for the Blue Jackets, um, he's really good friends with Jack Skilly, who's currently with the Avalanche, has played with the Blackhawks, a couple other teams. And he was actually a Florida Panther for a year or two, and I was asking him, Actually, in the in the limo uh, this past summer for Jack's wedding, what his least favorite NHL spot to play in was? Uh, not just as a home player, but as a you know player on the road. And he said the Florida Panthers. Said I played there. The fans just do not care at all. It's it's mostly empty the entire um, season, even when they're pretty good. And he said even when the fans are there, it's just like the least engaged crowd. He said, I was just miserable in Florida. Well, okay. Like, so, uh, but when the I, Red Wings play there, it's 60% Red Wings fans. When the Rangers, that was the other thing he said. He said the Rangers, Devils, it's every Islanders, game's a road game. They're basically the Tampa Rays of the NHL. Oh, it's kind of it's what people say would happen. Uh, you know, if a team was ever in Vegas, how like there wouldn't be a great like Vegas support. You know, it would be the the road team. It'd be fans of the road team going to see. You know, right. okay, okay, people from Detroit are in Vegas this weekend. You know, so it, it's just a miserable town, but it's a great place to sit outside for a baseball game. I would have loved to be in Miami tonight. I, the fact that you were there like this morning. Oh, and I'm wearing and I'm so wearing like, I'm wearing Tigers shirts all weekend t-shirts all weekend and i'm stopped by like five people oh going to the game on tuesday nope oh you invited that what you're inviting that of course they're gonna think you're down there for that right well i was at i was at golf stream park most of the time when people were asking me that but well we have 17 minutes left are we even taking a break you don't want to take a break we can go right through i mean honestly let's we got i'm leaving at 6 15 that's in 17 minutes so i you know all right, you want to talk about the Tigers opening Let's of the season? Let's talk about the Tigers. Um, you know, I, I'm curious where you're at with the, the win total here. I, I have a, a small bet. I heard it's up. The over-under is up to like 84 and a half, 85. 85 I, is the last I heard. I got it at over 82 and a half, but I had I put such a small bet on it, I'm, I'm kind of pissed now. What did you put, 50 grand? Right. 
No, no, five hundred. Small five, wager. Five, five hundred. You said everything. I always your fi- your your wager of five hundred is like my wife after like I bet all day and she's like, oh, "How'd you do the track?" I broke even. Yeah, I broke even. Which not even. Which could mean I won anywhere from twenty thousand to lost about three. You tower even That's when you won even. too. Oh yeah. You put- <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. You don't have to account. You don't have to. You don't have to account for being like about even. You know, like if you lost a lot of money, it's like okay, right. like I'm gonna be pissed. If you won, it's like all right, I don't see the influx into our account. <laughs> if, you, if you're about even, it's like okay, I don't need to check anything. Yeah, I don't need to check exactly. any statements. But uh, yeah, I, I have them. I, I mean, I'll tell you exactly. I have literally a hundred hours on it, so um, not uh, not as much as I would have liked, especially seeing the win total jump, but. Basically, I need him to go what eighty three and seventy nine. Yeah, you could have middled it between eighty two and a half and eighty five. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, at this point, eighty five, you're creeping up a little too high uh, for what I would be comfortable betting any reasonable sum of money. But I do think they're going to go over it. I see this team as like an eighty seven win team. Anybody and their brother can throw in the caveat of, well, if they're healthy. I mean, that goes without saying. Obviously, if they're ravaged with injuries again, that would take any predictions sort of off the table. You would still lose the money, as Mahir Bhatnagar doesn't understand. Well, right off the bat, at some point, they're going to lose Victor. I mean, well, I'm not Victor's even. I'm not, not even. I'm yeah. not even counting him. Yeah. Victor is going to. He just, could go down for the rest of the season tomorrow, and I would still. I'm not counting on him yeah, at all. Exactly. I'm, I'm not. not I'm not counting on it at all. Yeah, I'm not factoring it him in into my prediction at all if he hits and plays you know if he, if you get 105 games out of him and he's reasonably productive i'll take that up front yeah. you know i i don't i'm not expecting yeah, i'm not, that. not real upset that he's not being able to he can't start the season yeah what uh, a disaster batting but. behind uh mickey but you know my point on this team is that they've almost got a 200 million dollar payroll by june or july it's Unless you're just an absolute abomination of a team, um, where, where you you know going in like the Milwaukee Brewers this year, or some of the you know you go through some of the really bad teams in baseball, maybe the Padres are, gonna, are in that category this year. They have no hope. It's almost impossible by the time where you have to make a decision if you're a seller or a buyer to be out of the wild card race. It's like yeah, the new wild card, especially with the two. With, there's two. There's so many years. I remember there was an article about this last year in SI about comparing the wild card chase in 2015 to any other year in the wild card era, and how on average there were like five more teams in each league that were viable for the playoffs that wouldn't right. be in the average year. I mean, it, it's literally there's literally like between eight and ten teams in any given year now projected going forward. That can at least be like okay, we're four out with nine left. Like even if it's well, even minuscule. last year, even last year the Tigers they were in it. They were like they two were and a half it. back. They were theoretically <laughs> in two it. Two and a half or three. Back. And if they had anything in their farm system, if they weren't completely depleted, we would have been advising them to go and make a couple trades, get some bullpen arms, get another starter, and try to make a run last year. The problem wasn't that the Tigers were so pathetic that they couldn't tweak at the deadline and make some moves and get into that wild card race. The problem was they had nothing to deal. This year, I believe, they're in a much different position. A, their payroll, like I said, is almost $200 million. Mike Yolich is another year older. Mike Yolich has made every single concession going into this year uh, to either his son or Al Avila. Going forward, I mean, 
we should all be very thankful that we're going to be watching Justin Upton bat second tonight because of Mike Gillich's payroll. Um, Mike Gillich's the guy that you hate and complain yeah. about all the time, yeah. and I'm constantly defending. Yeah, that's the one. Just that, would be the, that would be the one. Not Mike Gillich Jr., the yeah. one. No, that would be senior. But the fact that he's gone to $200 million, he's another year older, he sees the writing on the wall. What gives me more hope than anything going into this season is that you know they're going all in. There's not going to be a fire sale. If there's and, any hope. Right. And yeah. I don't see I mean, see, if there's 6 and 20 or something. Yeah, but, that's, but I, don't, I, don't, I can't just not can't see it happening. No, I can't no, see him, no, me neither. I can't neither. see him being, you know, if around the, even remotely the, the, the MLB draft in June or, you know, around that time. You know, they're, you know that they should be around. I mean, it would be absolutely insane if they weren't. And I just think that they're going to do whatever it takes this year to win. And they've got some guys. Now, I'm not saying that Fulmer or, or Norris, I want to see those guys traded. Hopefully those guys will be in Detroit helping this team at that point. But you've got you know the Burrow, who, uh, Bo Burrows, I think his name is, the starting pitcher. They yep. drafted the first pick uh, last year. Maybe Derek Hill gets off to that good start. We hoped he, he was going to get off last year. Even a guy like Jacoby Jones who looks like he might turn out to be a poor man's Ben Zobrist, who they got in the Joaquin Soria trade. You've got a, you've, there's actually people now, and you've, not to mention they're going to be adding a top 10 draft pick for the first time since, what, Cameron Mabin? I don't, I don't even remember the last time they had a top 10 pick. So there's, there's reason to believe that the, the farm system's been replenished enough that they can make a couple deals if they need to fill some holes, if Victor's out for the year or if one of the starters goes down. That's that's where my most hope is, that this, that this is not going to be a repeat of last year. That, 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 and, 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 then they're, and they're going to have to do whatever it takes to try to win this year. But the thing that, that concerns me most is that we've all said that, you know, the media said it, most of the fans have said it, you and I to a certain extent have said it, that the bullpen – is fixed and, and it was addressed. There are concerns with the bullpen. I saw Chris McCoskey refer to Mark Lowe as uh, was it uh, it was in a lights out reliever, something you know synonymous with a lights out reliever or a lockdown reliever or something of that, of that ilk. This is a guy with a career whip of almost one and a half and a career ERA just a little under four. I mean, he had a no, great, he was great I mean, he had a great year last year. How many relievers? Relievers are kind of like goalies. You know, they'll have like this one year where they're really good. You you have you know Patrick Loeim was the best goalie on the planet for two years and stunk for the other ten. You know, is Mark Lowe? Mark Lowe is a guy who's had season ERAs of you know seven, <laughs> five and a half. You know, in a shortened season nine. I mean, just you know, he doesn't have this great track record of being good. He was very good last year. And, you know, he's... And he was better in the first half of the year than the second half, And too. better in the first half. And, you know, Justin Wilson, who we think will be good, but what's the, really the track record with Justin Wilson? You know, another guy with a so-so uh, whip, a guy who had an ERA of 420 and a whip of almost 1-4 in Pittsburgh in 2014. So you have you have multiple guys right, right off the top, Lowe and Wilson, who they're depending on to be the seventh and eighth inning guys, who are not that impressive in, in their career. They had good years last season. Track record, they're average pitchers. Average. Not terrible. I'm not saying they suck, but they're just kind of average mid-league, you know, middle-of-the-league guys, middle-of-the-road guys. 
Then you have K-Rod, who I think will be good in the closer spot. I, I'm not as worried about him as I am about the 7th and 8th inning. But, again, any given year, Joe Nathan was lights out, and then he just fell off a well, cliff. Let me tell you. I'll Jose tell you right. Valverde was great, and then he hit a certain no. age and fell off the cliff. I'll, it, I'm going to tell you something right now. If things start falling apart quickly in the bullpen, you are going to see Fulmer, Michael Fulmer. Uh, they will go get an Uber for him down 75 and, right away, and he will be placed in a, in a, in a prominent role with his – with his stuff, because at the very least at this point, he's got two pitches that can work in the bullpen. Maybe he's got to work on that third well, pitch. I think he's starter. viable, but I don't know. Right. If if the you have three guys, your seven, eighth, and ninth inning guys, do you feel great about well, any of them? I'm very I, no, worried I'm, about I'm, the seven. I'm, I'm just thinking that Fulmer's they, not going to fix all those problems. I just think they have depth this year. I think they would have Fulmer come up. I think hopefully Rondon gets his axe well, together. Now you're really... Well, really stretching. Well, I'm just. I'm, I'm not I, sure you're stretching with a guy who who's got stuff like that who could maybe pitch in a sixth or seventh. The inning. bullpen. I'm just saying you've got like seven or eight guys, and you hope that some of them work out, and that Alex Wilson gets healthy and Hardy gets healthy. I'm just saying that they have plugged holes with two league average pitchers in their career, and they're now you're down the line on a, a closer who's what thirty. Seven, <laughs> you know, Look, I'm never gonna. I mean, you know, I, I don't think it, it's solved, but I'm think I, I think they're in a better position this year than they've been in other years, just because there's guys. Down no, there's the no quite. There's no question about that. But my I, my issue is the narrative that we're seeing from the Detroit media right now, and a lot of the fans are buying it. The bullpen, we're good. That box has finally been checked. <laughs> that's insane. I, that, if you think that, well, that's what Chris Murkowski and Lynn well. Henning have been selling. And that's what a lot of the fans have thought. And I'm just saying be very careful. Be very careful looking at these relievers who were good last year. You look at historically, there's a lot of guys out there in Major League Baseball in that relief pitcher position that will have one or two good years in their league average guys. You're telling me Mark Lowe is going to have a sub-two ERA again this year. I know you hate ERA, but he's not, he's not going to do it. Well, I hate ERA for relief pitchers well, for sure. Okay, and that's fair. You could have one bad game and ruin it for the whole season. Well, I, I like whip. If you're putting a lot of runners on, and he's been a career, I like K's to walks, and that's he doesn't for he's not, relief pitcher. He's not a strikeout guy. No, either. I know, I know. None, none of these guys are strikeout guys. So Here, here's what I'm K Rod K Rod's throwing an 88 mile an hour. Here's what I'm ho- here's what I'm hoping. Other than the fact that they've got some th- more depth in the bullpen, they've got more depth in their farm system to make moves to acquire things that are going to be gaping holes at some point because you know there will be. There have been every year even when you have a $200 million payroll. Here's what I'm hoping to see happen. And I think if these things happen, I think we'll be okay. One, Nick Castellanos carries over his second half of the year offensively and becomes someone who can put up an 820 to 840 OPS. If he can do that... Changes the whole season. I mean, if he can do that, that's that's a huge lift because then whatever Victor's doing is a, is a little less consequential. Much less. It changes the entire that, lineup right, if Castellanos right. is good. If Castellanos is good, which I think he might be, I think that it would be a huge lift for the club. Upton has never been in a situation like he is in Detroit right now. I mean, like Upton, there's even been a lot of discussion about the guy over the last few weeks. He's like so under the radar. I mean, he 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 just has to be another part. He all he really has to do. On this team, 
is put up like a 350 to 365 on base percentage and hit the ball out of the park every once in a while and, and, and have a few doubles. If he does that, that's all they're asking for him to set the table for JD and Miggy. That's, you know, that's all. Yeah, I mean, he's been the featured guy in lineups for years and has gotten on at a 350 clip. Right. I mean, with a and little, who knows? He should get, you should get a tick up. I mean, look what happened last year with Cespedes in this lineup. Cespedes is a guy who historically was horrible getting on base. It wasn't an accident that this guy had a career year propelled by his start in Detroit being around J.D., Miggy, Well, it's nice Kinsler. hearing you say that because I know typically the analytical crowd despises the idea of lineup protection, which I, I just... Well, it's not the guy right behind him. I think that's the ultimate thing. But when you have, I mean, when you have less pressure, when you're not the one guy, when you're not Freddie Freeman on the Atlanta Braves, where like, yeah. you're the guy, you're the only guy around. And Upton was like that in some of the situations he's been in yep. previous years. You know, no, I, I don't buy the entire sabermetric line that that you can't consider that. I think that was something that we saw with our own eyes with Cespedes, with Cespedes last year. That's what I'm saying. You right. can, you can. Uh, there is a difference, and it, it does help. And the other thing I like about Upton that no one's talking about, and it's not going to be a game breaking type deal, but it's a nice nugget. Is he can actually run? I'm not, I'm not going to be obsessed with. The stolen base numbers, you know, steals are nice. No, but, but going from first to third. Right, going from first yeah. to third, scoring on a single from second. You you look at Victor, can't move. Cabrera, can't move. You know, J.D. Martinez isn't fast, but he can move. Cassianos is pretty slow, but he can move. I mean, these guys are going right. to go first to third. You know, Kinsler can run. I just like he's not only a good bat, but he's another guy in the sort of middle of that lineup that can actually move on the bases where he's not stationed the station. He's just a good athlete. I mean, I think they should score a lot of runs. I love Justin Upton. I'm, I'm excited to see oh, this, him play. You've been on this guy's train since oh my like 2012. Uh, is, I, on the old DSR yeah. doggy, Sean Belizean, yeah. U Detroit. Remember, I was screaming. You're flailing your arms about Flailing yeah. my arms, go get Justin Upton. So, uh, I think he's always been undervalued by other teams, and I thought they could have got him for Castellanos a couple years ago. It ended up working out that they got both, and I think those are going to be two key contributors to this team. He's, he's a guy that can, by all accounts, carry you for two weeks, and then he'll just kill you for a couple of weeks. But honestly, with a lineup, I don't know, this good, I think I'll take that. I'll take him yeah. just raking for a couple of weeks at a time and then disappearing. Well, I mean, as long as he can get on base, even when he's not hitting yeah. home runs, because he'll go on in ridiculous home run streaks. Yeah. yeah. But as long as he can just take get, get on base – I mean, we're not asking the world of the guy. We've had such an issue with people getting on base in previous years in front of Miggy, which which completely slowed down the offense. And the other thing, obviously, they're going to need they're going to need either Zimmerman or Sanchez to have a pretty big season. I think one of those two guys is going to have to really come through. And I don't think that's any real great uh, commentary, but that starting pitching still worries me too. And you know, so there's some question marks yeah. there. You, you, the, the, that's my hesitation. Is there's a lot that needs to go right that you can't really pencil in comfortably. We're gonna get off early tonight we're gonna, because you want to watch the uh, first pitch, and you got to yeah, take just care. Me, just me. Yeah. I, well, you have I got no interest. Well, you, you, I don't. You, have a, I, you hate it so much that it was in your backyard, and you hopped the plane to get exactly. as far away from. The I got as far away. I was trying to get a flight without to, an international uh, flight. Yeah, I was trying to get to Nova Scotia. All right. uh, to get us well, right we should talk about the Rebels real quick. Sure. Real quick before we leave. This is the most bizarre turn of events in the last couple weeks. 
where we basically just did not care if they made the playoffs at all, to now I'm like, okay, get in, get the three spot, and take on Tampa, who's going to be the second, number two, without Stamkos and Stallman, which is, a to me, a coin flip series, if they can just get in. Yep, coin flip series. I agree. I'm not, I wouldn't feel great about it, but they have a very right. reasonable they shot. They have a reasonable yeah, chance. They have a good, a good chance. They'd, obviously, if they get into the playoffs, that means they're probably playing well because they're going to have to win at least two of the three and probably one of those. I mean, they really need yeah. to be Boston on uh, uh, Thursday. If, if they, they really need to be Boston on Thursday because that would really end it, I think. Because it's Philly on Wednesday and then Boston Thursday, right? Exactly, and then yeah. they play the Rangers to finish well, up if the they season. Well, if they win Wednesday, Thursday, it's done. Yeah. But, but, yeah. but what's done is I, don't, I either want them to make the playoffs and get that three spot. Or just miss and not get the wild card where they'd have to play the, the Capitals in the first round. But if you can get and stay in your division and play Tampa, which is completely decimated now because of their best player has got a blood I would clot. pick Detroit to beat Tampa. I, I it, it wouldn't be inconceivable. And then to play the winner of, let's say, Philadelphia versus the Panthers – Nothing I'm not, scary I'm there. Not, I'm not adverse to playing three more weeks of hot, watching three or four weeks more weeks of hockey. I don't have any delusions that this team would get to the Stanley Cup. Oh, and I wouldn't mind even you know getting the first round buzzsaw. But let's see, Larkin We should get, get some, a fantasy you and Larkin get yeah, some playoff exactly. time. Exactly. You get we get to see them, Mantha, and watching maybe playing seven minutes a game because of Blashill. But I've gone from being kind of agnostic about the Red Wings getting in to being desperate to see them take on. An absolutely depleted um, Tampa team. Well, right we now. will be As doing fact, either. Tampa lost, I think, last night. I think they're only like the wins are like four points behind them. I it would be a, a long shot for them to be able to to pass. If you went all three, <laughs> but if you went all three and they just completely crapped the bed, I guess it's possible. It's, it's but. plausible. You know, we're we're discussing next week's show either the playoff preview or the season post mortem with Anthony Ciotti. Look forward to that. Yeah, hopefully um, Prashant can join us. And we'll, we're we gonna have get a big show. Thanks, we'll get Jessica. out of here. I take it Rick Barry never responded. Not yet. We might have, to have a th- we might have to do a three hour show next week if Rick Barry wants to be on. Yeah, David I mean, Harnes, Prashant Iyer. It could be a cavalcade of stars next week, but right now. Um, we're going to watch the Tigers start the season against the Miami Marlins. Justin Verlander, who's, who's pitching? Because it's not Fernandez. He's pitching tomorrow. He's pitching the second game. Wheeling Chen. Oh, okay. All right, go Tigers. This is a previously recorded episode.